very first time. I just want you to know I'm so honored that you're here. We love first-time people. And one of the ways that our church family can know now that you're a first-time person is that you walk around with the mud. And we are so honored that we can give you. Can we give all of our first-time guests a big hand? Come on. It's just a little token of our expression of our love to you. We want to thank you for being with us today. We serve such a good God. He is a good God. Amen. And the message that I'm sharing with you this morning, it's not birthed out of my need. It's not birthed out of the need for the church to pay its bills. But it's birthed out of our, all of our needs to grow in this grace of generosity. Every person. Uh, we live in historical times. We live in unprecedented times. There are more people that are unemployed today than any time in the history of United States history. 230-some years old as a nation, more people unemployed or underemployed than any time in the United States history. We've been in what they've called the Great Recession, and supposedly we've come out of the Great Recession, but the economic indicators don't prove that. There are parts of our economy, the stock market has rebounded since 2008, but there are, are still more people losing their homes, more people in the last five years, millions, by the millions, have lost their homes than any time in all of the United States history. And it wasn't just out there, it was right inside our church, right inside of our church. I watched his families as things took a dramatic turn, they, they lost their jobs, they weren't able to pay their mortgages. and. And, and to see the devastation. Their series that we're starting today was just timely. It's timely because yesterday, well, actually last week when I was in Cuba, when I was in Cuba last week, I realized how bad communism stinks. I realized the end result of socialism. I realized, I saw it for myself. What happens? When a government tries to meet all the needs of its people. When small g, small g meaning government, becomes big g or God in the lives of people. And that's exactly what happens in a communistic, socialistic system. When the small g, when government, becomes the dominating, dictating factor in how people live their lives and how they spend their money. I showed you last week, the average Cuban makes 15 to $20 a month. Say, well, how do they live? Well, they don't live. <laughs> they don't live. As a matter of fact, 98% of the people that live in Cuba today live below the worldwide poverty line. They live in total abject poverty. And I felt like this series, I, I needed to speak some faith to us. I needed to build our heart in faith because the God that we serve is a good God. And the God that we serve has a plan for every person in this room. And it isn't about systems of politics, but for the believer, it's about a heart. It's about a heart that desires to do all of God's will in every area of our life. There's three areas that affect your life more than anything else. One is your money. Your money and your life will determine not only how you live your life, but how your children will live your life. Your money will determine so many factors that we can go into all the details. But not only will your money affect your life, but your morality. Your purity. Pastor Flynn started the series on love, sex, and dating. And Pastor David Garcia really has a word from God to the body of Christ. His message just resonates with a period of message of sexual purity. This area of sexual purity is such a big deal. Families are destroyed. Lives and destinies are forever impacted. 
more problems in marriage, more problems in family over this area than just about anything else. The third thing is your Christian maturity. Your Christian maturity. How you walk in love towards other people. How you respond to the message. How you respond to the person who is in the Holy Spirit when he's correcting you and teaching you and helping you grow in the levels and the grace that God has given to us. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Two passages of Scripture this morning. The first passage we're going to look at is Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse number 9. And then we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33. And I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 9 and 10. Luke chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus, and everyone said Jesus. I didn't say this. Jesus, I'm just reporting. I'm reporting, and this is one of the most interesting verses in the Bible. This verse number 9 is really fast. Some of the most interesting words of Jesus. But in Luke chapter 16, verse number 9, the Bible says, Jesus said, I tell you, use worldly way, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. Anybody ever wonder what that one means? Huh? Well, I'm going to tell you what that one means. Verse number 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy and handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful and handling worldly wealth, who will trust you? Who will trust you with eternal riches? And then I want you to turn to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse number 33. Jesus speaking specifically about financial resources. Jesus speaking specifically about the weight and the concern that comes upon us when we start to think about money rather than the mission of our life. When we start to think about money rather than the mission of our life. But seek ye first the king. Everyone say king. Of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Jesus specifically talking about talking about provision, talking about clothing, talking about food, talking about all the things that we have need of to live our daily lives. That verse in Luke chapter 16, verse number 9, just struck you because I've read it and I've thought about it and I meditated, but I want you to hear with one translation how it says. How, it's, how it translates this verse. In Luke 16, I tell you, use your worldly roots resources to benefit others. Everyone say, benefit others. To be generous and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your grace. And thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, it's not a coincidence. For some people, this is their very first time to step into the doors of City Church. And I pray that your grace will be with them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to our hearts. And God, that you will minister. Thank you that you've already been here in the time of worship. We pray to our needs. We minister to one another. And I thank you that our church family for their needs. I pray for Daniel and Randy Grace, Lord, as they go to close on their 
home this week. And for any hindrances, Lord, that the enemy has tried to bring to their way, I pray that all the way through to the closing of this property, God, they'll experience a faith dynamic. God, that your kingdom come and your will be done. And for every person that's here today, Lord, for those who need jobs, those who don't have enough provision, those for whom this is a constant struggle and worry your life, I pray that you'll give grace to hear. God, to give me the right words. Not my words, but your words. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty name, everyone said. Amen. You may A couple things I want to point out. Inside of your bulletin, you got a little hand up. It looks like this. I want everyone to take this hand up. Everyone should have a hand up. And if, and if you don't have one, can you raise your hand? And the ushers will make sure that you have a hand up that looks just like this, all right? Oh, we got a bunch of people. Let's just keep it up just for a moment. Because I, there's a little tip question test. So while you're listening to me this morning, while you're listening to me this morning, I, I want you to take that tip question test. You, you won't have to fill any blanks in for quite a while, okay? Uh, you're going to get a little pre-pre filling in blanks for a little while here. But I want you to take, I want every person to have this because I want you to take this test. Uh, I'm going to go through this, this questionnaire. We're not going to turn it in. Uh, just jump up real quick and help us We've got some people over on this side. Just keep your hand up with you if you haven't got it. I want you to answer these questions, these ten questions. I want you, this is a kind of a, an honest, you know, this is a, a personal evaluation. I want you to take just a few minutes in answering these questions. I, I thought about this message, and I, I remember a story that I heard a long time ago about a grandma that gave her grandson two quarters to take to church one Sunday. And, and one quarter was for him for being a good boy Saturday night, getting up early and going to church. And the other quarter was for him to put into the offering bus bucket. And so I, you know, his grandmother sent him off to church, and he was walking down to the little country church right down the road. And, and as he was walking down the road, he took two quarters out of his pocket, and he, he started playing with the quarters. And one of the quarters, he was just flipping up in the air, and he flipped this quarter up in the air, and he dropped it and started to roll, and, and, and there was a, a little grate, you know, one of those drainage grates right there. And that quarter rolled over, and it went down into that drainage grate, and all of a sudden, that little boy, he just, oh, dang. He, he looked up, and he said, God, I'm sorry, but there goes your quarter. Oh, come on. That was pretty funny. And sometimes I think that that's, you just catch it. There we go. Sometimes I have a feeling that's how we feel about the money that God has entrusted to us. We feel like the money that God has given to us and allowed us to be responsible for, it's ours to spend any way that we want. I have a big idea here this morning. I want you to get this big idea in your heart that when we see money from God's perspective, we will see money as something holy to God and will seek to use it to fulfill His plan for our lives and for His kingdom. We will seek to use money for His glory and for His kingdom. As you go through these 10 questions, you take just a moment to go through these 10 questions. If you haven't thought about these questions in your life, you will think about some of them. Some of these questions affect and will face all of us at some time and some place in our life. And in the last question that I asked, the last question is, do you have a desire to give more to God so that others can be blessed. Today I'm talking about building blocks. Building blocks for financial freedom in your spiritual life. Building blocks for financial freedom 
in your spiritual walk with God. Next week, we're going to talk about the debt monster. We're going to talk about how debt affects us and, and God's plan not for us to be in bondage to debt, but God's plan for us to be free in generosity and giving. And then we're going to talk about this area of giving and receiving, this whole principle in God's kingdom about generosity, what it really means to live a generous life. But God does have a plan for your mission. And listen to me. Listen. There is so much at stake today. There is so much at stake in your personal life. You see, your doctor today isn't afraid to talk about money. My wife broke her toe two weeks ago on a, I don't remember, Monday or Tuesday afternoon. I had to take her to the hospital. I actually, to go to the hospital. We went to the doctor. We went to the center care. And the center care called her friend. He was a podiatrist. He was a specialist. Let me tell you, before we left that podiatrist's office, she was talking to us about, about, she was talking to us about money. Your doctor's not afraid to talk to you about money, or at least you know, hire someone to talk to you about money. This particular woman, she actually talked to my wife about money. If you've ever had to use a lawyer before, let me tell you, be careful about making friends with lawyers. I've got a couple of real good, real good lawyer friends, and I started finding I would be getting bills. I want to kick you. I learned this one about ten years ago when we were trying to buy a piece of property for the church, and I had him in. And I developed a relationship. He was a lawyer. He was a real estate lawyer. And one day the church got a bill for the time that I spent talking to him, and I realized of that bill, the first twenty minutes of that bill was chit chat, talking about his family and about his involvement in his local church and how his life was going. And I realized from that moment. When I call that lawyer, I'm going to get right down to business. Because that lawyer ain't afraid to talk to me about money. Your president stands up there and he tells you flat out. He says, if I'm elected, I'm going to raise everybody's taxes. Everybody's going to pay more taxes. And we voted for him. And your president today is not afraid to talk to you about money. I mean, Congress isn't afraid to talk to you about money. I mean, everywhere you go, they're not afraid to talk to you about money. I mean, when you go watch a movie, you say, well, I don't have any money. I just want to come in and watch that movie. I heard it was really good. And, you know, they had really good songs in that movie. And there was a lot of really cool things there. I, will you just let me come on in for free today? And they're going to go, no, show me the money. I mean, it's funny. But when it comes to church and the pastor, oh, man, now you touch I mean, there are times that I've talked about money in the past. People just get up and walk out. Why? Because the church shouldn't talk about money. It just kind of grows on trees and falls out of the air. And, and somehow it just magically takes place. I've got to share my story. I grew up in a very poor family. My family was very, very poor. And my father and my father was one of those kind of guys that money just seemed to, if he had a little bit of money, his pockets had holes in them. He could just never seem to keep money. It always kind of just ran through him. And I lived my life as a young boy, actually, and I shared this story a couple weeks ago. And I remember when I was 12 years of age, we got to the point where we literally had no money. And we didn't do food stamps. My parents didn't do that kind of thing. And I don't even know if people did. I'm sure they did, but it just wasn't accepted like it is today. And I remember a time where literally the only thing we had in the cupboard were beans. And it wasn't for one day. It wasn't for two days. It wasn't for three days. It wasn't for four days. But it was a whole week. The only thing that we had to I remember as a 12 year old boy, I was a 12 year old boy, I said, I'll never let that happen. I was so hurt. And I realized that there were some things that were set in motion by the way that my father, the way that he viewed money. He would always say, Poor people have poor ways. Poor people have poor ways. 
And I've come to grow and understand that what God says about money, the way that God treats money is very, very, very important to the Christian life. And when I got really saved, when I got really good saved, I made a decision. I was going to learn everything about money. Because one of the things that I know is that a lack of money is not a blessing in my life. Not being able to pay the electric bill, not being able to pay the mortgage bill, not being able to pay the doctor bill, not being able to put food on the table for my family. I mean, not being able to, not being able to take care of the necessities and the basics of life is not a blessing. If I was to tell you today, if you were to come up with an extra $50 a month, you could feed 50 children in Cuba every Sunday. Every Sunday for, for, for one month. How many of you would try to come up? How many of you would try to scrape together an extra fifty dollars to feed fifty kids and people for one month? How many of you would do that? But how many of you think? I mean, something in your heart when you hear that. Yeah. See, if you don't have more than enough, you can't help feed the needs of other people. And listen today, this is the mind shift that has to take place. You have to begin to realize that this thing isn't about you. This thing is not about me. This thing is about the mission for which Christ is called you to. Christ is called you to. When I became really good saved, I started reading everything I could on Christian, not just on Christian finance, but I started reading everything I could on economics. I don't know why. I mean, I wasn't a pastor. I was just, I was working at a restaurant. And even as a kid, I always wanted to learn and had a desire to know about resources and Ask my grandparents about the Great Depression. They were they had lived they were their young adults during the Great Depression. And no one could ever explain to me how it happened. No one ever could explain to me what took place because they didn't really understand how money works in your life. And the things that have happened in our culture over the last five years, they, they didn't just happen. There were things that our culture has done. There were concepts and ideas that we bought into. One of the concepts and ideas that we, we bought into is that we could give out other people's money. And that there would never be a payment. And that we could just continue to borrow, borrow, borrow. And we have the phrase, the fact accomplished the people. She said, I owe, I owe, so often work on go. And the mindset of a culture of a generation that's lived year after year after year that way has brought on a, a literally a, a financial cliff that's brought great economic hardship to many, many people. Some of the books that I read in the very beginning when I was a young Christian, I read this book by Larry Burkett called Business by the Book. I was probably 25 years of age. I read this cover to cover. And I studied, I studied all the biblical principles. I, I really, really got this into my heart. And, and I began to start to practice as a young Christian. I started to practice the principles and the things that he talked about. I mean, there's so many resources. We got a guy uh, on the radio locally here. I don't know what, I think he's on 580, and his name is Dave Ramsey. He's on Fox Business, and, and he's all over America. He's a Christian man, and he's, and he's telling people they're stupid if they don't get the financial. I mean, he says stuff I could never say as a pastor. I mean, one time I'm listening to this guy, he's yelling at people on the phone, trying to, trying to get their attention, trying to wake them up, to understand that God has a plan for them in finances. Our church here has done multiple times. We've done a program called Financial Peace University. And, and, and when we complete our four-week series, we're going to go through one of these programs. We've got another one up here by, by uh, a Crown Financial called Discovering Money God's Way. We have another one by Saddleback. There's all kinds of different materials that we've used here at City Church, but our children are going to go through, but our children are going to go after junior adventure. We're going to teach our children. 
So at the end of this four-week series, we're going to help us, help all of us grow in this area. We're going to provide a class for the adults. Pastor Brennan and his wife Natalie will provide a class for the teens. That's a financial peace university for teenagers. And we're going to teach our children in children's church and Sunday school. We're going to teach them about the problem of money. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in your life and in mine. I made a decision as a young person that I was going to learn everything that I could, everything that I could. See, provision in your life, provision, having provision is God's purpose and God's plan for His people. It's just, it is. It's just from Genesis to Revelation. You see, what's at stake today is provision for your household. Provision for your household. Being able to provide for your family. Paul said that a father doesn't, that doesn't provide for his own family, for his own household, is worse than anything. I didn't say that. Paul said it. It's a big deal. We can provide for our needs. The support of your local church and its ministries. If God's people don't, uh, don't uh, uh, succeed, if God's people don't win, if God's people don't do what God's asked them to do and give them their tithe and their offerings, we can't be the mission. We can't give $16,000 to the church in Cuba doesn't have enough money to build a facility and a growing and exploding church. We can't do that. We can't support the 30-some missionaries that we give money to every month. Uh, we, we can't do the things. We can't bring in 175 youth to give an offering of $50 or $100 on a website. We can't do that. We can't do those things. What's at stake? There's so much at stake in our lives. So much at stake. Our attitudes towards money, our attitudes towards money is connected it's connected to our faith. You see, God has a vision and a purpose for you. And the only way that will be accomplished is by faith. The attitudes towards money is a direct connection to your faith and trust in God. So today, you know what's at stake? Last night we were praying for the city. We were taking communion together in our prayer team. We were praying for the service. And I just begin to think up and down the street of all the people who are Jesus. I begin to think of all the people. I begin to think of all the souls, not only in Sanford, but in Lincoln. I mean, I really, in my mind, I can just go up and down the streets and I can see people who don't have a relationship with God, people who are separated from Christ. I mean, that's just like in our city, all over the state of Florida. I begin to think how God, the Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish. In a proper perspective of God's resources, will either hinder or help us in accomplishing the mission and reaching people for Christ. Because I want you to know that Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for sinners. And like Paul said, such were some of us. Such were some of us. Chief of sinners. In the eyes of the world, he may be failures. But when Christ comes into our life, he makes a difference. And he begins to give us a compassion and a desire to reach out and to see other people come into the kingdom of God. Meeting the needs of others by generously sharing what God has given to us. You see, the building blocks of financial freedom today in your life, it starts with this. It starts with an understanding that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. Everyone say upside-down. It is an upside-down kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom. In other words, the way that the world views life and the way that God views life are two different ways. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Everyone say, don't worry. I mean, Jesus said some things that were really hard. Jesus said some things that were really hard. Like Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the cheek, you're to do what? Turn the other cheek. I mean, come on. How many of you, that is your first. Someone comes up to you and pops you in the mouth. How many of you, your first response is to say, hey, just go ahead and hit the other side of my cheek. Hey, you missed a spot right here. I mean, how many of you, that's your first response? I mean, that's not your first response. Jesus said that when your enemy hates you, you are to what? Pray for them. I mean, the things that Jesus said were very difficult. Jesus said it was harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through an eye of a little needle. Oh, I mean, that's impossible. Jesus said some things that in the natural were impossible for people to do because you had to have a right view of the kingdom. It is impossible for you to live the generous life without the Spirit of God. You see, you can give without loving. You can give without loving today. But you cannot love God with all your heart without a desire to give. You can't do it. It's impossible for all of us because when we love God, we see needs and we want to meet them in the hearts and lives of other people. Money is not neutral. It has the power to influence for good and for evil. It has the power to influence for good and for evil. Today, I, I just, my heart and my mind and my thoughts, I, I think of all the good possibilities, all the good things that have taken place. The, one of the wealthiest men in the world, one or two wealthiest men in the world, Bill Gates, has been challenged to spend the rest of his life giving his money away to do good. He wants to wipe malaria off the face of the earth. I mean, I didn't think about the ability, the possibility that happens, but I started to break it down to the smallest thing. Jesus said that when we would give a very cup, a small cup of cold water to a person in need, we've done it unto him. We've done it unto him. I mean, the smallest act of generosity, the smallest act of kindness. We think it's just the big things, but you'll never get to the big things if you don't start with the little things. Don't start with the little understanding of living open-handed before God. You see, the money that God has given you today has a mission. Has a mission. Two things that people think the most about in their life. The first one is money. The second one is sex. Two things that people think about in their life more than anything else is money and their sexual relationships. More than anything else. And, and just the two things that generally are the least talked about in the church. I mean, Dr. Phil talks about it. Dr. O, Pastor Oprah talks about it. I mean, all these other people will talk about money and sex. But in the church, we don't talk about these things. Why? Because they're so personal. They're so personal. They're so private. I mean, when somebody hears a pastor talk about message of money. I'm like, I don't need the money. Listen, I'm going to eat next week. God has blessed us and the Lord has helped me be wise with my resources and, and I'm going to be taken care of because I want you to know you're not my source. Roger, whether you tithe or don't tithe, God is going to bless you because you're not my source. My source today is in heaven. My source today is my heavenly Father. And I have, if I am rich towards God and others, God will be rich towards me. So my money today, I understand, has a purpose. It has the purpose of the expanding of God's 
kingdom. The second thing that I want you to see today, the second thing that I want you to see today is the principle of stewardship. The principle of stewardship. God bless them. And this is what our series, as we talk about over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about stewarding their resources, whether it's a little or a lot. God bless them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing. The duties, the responsibility of being a good steward. First thing, if you're a steward today of the resources God has given you, the first thing you have to know is that God owns it all. God owns everything. The reason that people can't talk, the reason that people can't live an open, live open-handed, the reason they can't do it is because they really don't believe God owns everything. They really don't believe. The Bible says that God owns it all. God is not limited in His ability to provide for you. He's just not limited. I was talking to a person this last week, a person for most of you would be a very wealthy person. They run a very successful, large organization. And as I was listening to this person talk, they were talking about the lack. They were talking about the downside of the economy. They were talking about all the challenges that they're facing. And they couldn't see how they were going to be able to do more in the next year or the coming years. And I just talked to and as I was talking to this person, I said, if you can't do it, no one can do it. I said, the fact is you have age. You have God on your side. My job here today is to fill you with faith. My job here today is to make God bigger in your life and make your lack, make the enemy, make the things that you don't have smaller in your life. And that's faith. It takes faith to believe. It takes faith to believe that God really does own it all. He owns everything. God, and in and, and so many ways, and so many times, God will show you His ability. I was thinking down to the smallest detail. We had a person, to my wife this morning, we had a person make a commitment to give a certain amount of money to the Cuba trip. And, and about a week before we took the trip, there was a large amount of money. They were going to help pay for us to do the things that we needed to do. And the week before we went, this person told me that they weren't able to do it. And I thought, you know, I could have really been wiped out. I could have said, hey guys, we're not going to be able to go. We're not going to be able to help out. We're not going to be able to pay for the food. I, I mean, I could But you know what? I didn't do that. I didn't stand up there and tell the church family, you know, this guy over here, he said he was going to do this. He didn't do it. Now we can't come up. I just said, God, you know what? You are more than able to meet and to provide every need for the team that's going to Cuba. You know, because you know what? I know that God is good. I know that God rewards faith. And today, listen, God owns it all. And everyone say God's part. So God's part is to get it to you. Your part is to manage it. Your part is to be a good student. Here's the big deal. Most people go to work for a paycheck. Most people think that someone owes them benefits. Most people think that, hey, your job owes you a paycheck, they owe health insurance, they owe you a 401k. I mean, listen, if I go to work, what are the benefits? I want, I want you to know how you can really succeed, how you can turn that whole thing on its head. When you go to work, it's like, what can they give me? What can I do to be a blessing? How can I make my boss more successful? How can I make this company? You see, most of the time, most of the time, people go to work and think about the fact that the pool was left on for 10 hours and the water overflowed. And city church water, all of the surrounding community, and water. Most of the time, people don't think about it. 
think about how that happens. I don't think about the responsibility. It's a little small example of how it happens in my world. I mean, most of the time, you don't think about how you can save money. Come on, it's not. You know, you go out to lunch with your boss at a Christmas party. My wife was telling me when she worked with this insurance, uh, this, uh, this marketing company, they would go out once a month to get the boss would take out the sales people. And the people would go there. And they knew the boss was paying. And so they would order lobster. And they would order drinks. And, I mean, they would just run that bill up because they weren't what? They weren't paying. But you hand the tab to them, and all of a sudden it goes from a lobster to a piece of chicken. Or maybe an appetizer. Why? Because someone else is paying. And as long as you're not responsible, you don't take ownership. One of the great stories of the Bible is a man by the name of Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph found favor with Pharaoh. And, and Pharaoh so trusted Joseph that he gave him everything in his household of his. And God says that God's blessing was on everything in Pharaoh's house. You know why? Because when Joseph showed up, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about me. Joseph wasn't the last guy to work. Joseph wasn't struggling to get there on time. Joseph wasn't padding, you know, the time clock. He wasn't cheating, budging, lying. Joseph was a steward. He knew that God was watching him. He did. You see, there's God's part, and there's your part. Everyone say my part. There's God's part, and then there's your part. Everybody in the part Someday you want to own a house. How do you treat the part the apartment? Treat. Do you treat that apartment like a church? Do you treat it? You know, over our years, City Church, we have leased and rented lots of properties. First five years, we rented, rented storefronts. And, and every single building that we went into, we made it a better place. Every single one. When we were at the Ultimate Mall, and we were renting an old movie theater, and, and they hadn't cleaned that movie theater, they hadn't painted that movie theater, they hadn't pressured. pressure wash that whole building. And then we went and we painted. They had a sign outside for the movie theater. And it, all the paint was coming off. And it was rusty and nasty. You know what I did? I went and got a gallon of paint. And I went and painted that sign. And then we went inside. They had they had not cleaned. As a matter of fact, it was so nasty. Be careful when you go to these dollar theaters when you're setting it. Because when you turn on the lights, you don't want to know what's in there. And I remember we went into this dollar th uh, into this theater. And it was nasty. It was huge. You see 500 people Inside was this massive movie theater. I remember the first time I walked in, we went down to the very front to turn the lights on. And down in the very front where, where kind of the, where the, the slope met the flat part of the floor, we cut a coat and it's running down. People have spoken for years. And they had just left it on the concrete for so long that the acid in the coat came all the way to the concrete. And then you can actually see the dirt. As Gavin St. Aston you know we did. We cleaned. We painted all 505 seats in the house. No, they never gave me a dime to do it. The, the, the management of the company never came up with patterns and balances. Not one time. But I was a steward of resources. God didn't give it to me. My desire is to make every place that I go to a place. Everything that God entrusts me with, I want to make it better. Everyone said amen. Or I stood. You want to succeed in life? Look to make other people's lives better. 
such a good preacher. Well, you can go home. Just go and live that one. You go and live that one, and you will not have problems in your life. You see, God blessed Joseph. God blessed Joseph. Why? Because he knew how to manage other people's stuff. The third principle is the principle of generosity. We're going to spend time on this in a couple of weeks. i got to tell you today, generous giving attracts God's attention. Acts 10, verse number 1. I just want you to hear about a man by the name of Cornelius. And the Bible says that he was a Roman centurion. He came from the Italian regiment. He wasn't Jewish, but he was a God-fearing man who was devout. And he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And the Bible says that when the angel of the Lord came to him, he said, listen, Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial for God. One translation says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have not gone unnoticed Basis and the teachers, they were great coming back to that school. High school was very difficult for me. I was distracted, I wasn't focused, I wasn't serving the Lord. When I got saved, God put my heart, desire my heart to learn and get knowledge and study. One night I was working, I met a guy in the school. I love the the story because it was number 197. I thought about this this morning. Fuck a ride, my testimony. they would be here today. Because one man's generosity, one person's
when we started a school where children are being ministered to and taught the word of the Lord. And we're getting to expand our school to K-5 next year. And I'm so excited about increase and enlarging our borders so that we can have more influence for the mission. One man's generosity changed not only my life, but changed the generation. Some of you are being changed today. So that's the point of understanding your money has a mission. Your money has a purpose in your life. See, the principle of generosity in our life, it is not about us, but it's about God's purpose. The principle of integrity. I want to, just, I want to hit this one just really quick. The principle of doing what you say you're going to do. As Christians, paying our bills of time, keeping our word, doing, I mean, we have teenagers here that are committed to living sexually pure life. My wife talks about one of the young couples, they're 17, 18 years of age in the church, and Friends, close friends going out from here. They never help me. They never help me. No why? Because they know the moment they go They know the moment they go there, maybe you know, light that fire. It's all right. And they're so committed. Integrity is a church volunteer who's supposed to show up for their ministry at 8.30, not pulling it off, not being a no-call and a no-show, and thinking that someone else will do it. And integrity is not lying, cheating, manipulating, patting your time card, cheating on a test. Cheating, manipulated in any way to gain financial favor or advantage of another person. We don't hear about this stuff. Our whole culture is built on lack of integrity, doing work under the table, not paying you. I mean, all these things are about integrity. Bible says integrity. God blesses a good name is to be desired more than great riches. Number five, listen, the principle of knowledge getting knowledge about money in the marketplace. Does it do you any, any good to put your head in the sand and wonder what happens? No one else can make this happen. But learn how how it works. You know, today, there are lots of people who want to separate from the body. There's all these television partners who want to separate from the body. There's all these cell phone companies who want to separate from the body. You know, you have a $50 upgrade. You buy this upgrade, that upgrade, and it's only $110 a month, or it's only, and then if you add HBO and Cinemax and Cinemax and Showtime and Blowtime and all those, now it's only $150 a month, and it's easy monthly payments. I mean, there's so many people that want to separate you from your money, and if you don't know how money works, listen. It's not going to go up. Get knowledge. Understand how economics. Understand God's plan and, and, and will for you. Avoiding get rich greens and understanding how the marketplace works. And, and, and listen, you got to find a good mentor. In a couple of weeks, we're going to offer a course, one of these courses up here. And I would encourage you, find a good mentor. Find a good mentor. Plans go away with a lack of advice. Number six, the principle of contentment. The principle of contentment. Everyone say, it's not about the stuff. 
It's just not about the stuff. Paul said, I know how to be abased, and I know how to be about I know how to go with, without, and I know how to have. Don't mistake, don't mistake contentment for lack of ambition or desire to succeed. Don't misunderstand me today. You're a man in this room. You're a young person in this room. Don't mistake contentment for a lack of ambition or desire to succeed. God's put it in your heart. Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, I've been made in the image of God. God says, God's going to say, 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 God
good God. Come on. One word. One word that God. How much more does your heavenly Father care about you? But responder to faith. If it was just your need, you wouldn't have a need today. If it was just your lack today, if it was just your lack, that that's all it was and every need would get met and all your needs would be met. That's not it. It's faith. It's faith in a good death. It's faith in a good father. My father couldn't always provide for me. My earthly father had times when he could not provide my needs. It was a reality in my life. I lived. I had to buy my own clothes at the age of 11. My parents couldn't afford to buy my own clothes. It's a true story. But I want you, I have a good dad. I have a good heavenly father. I have, I have a father, heavenly father who's so gracious, so forgiving, so kind so merciful. He lets me start over. He lets you start over. Listen, you haven't done it all right. You've made mistakes. And listen, this isn't a condemnation message. This is a faith message. This is a dollars and spiritual sense. When we get the kingdom right, when we understand it's an upside down kingdom, that we put God first in everything. you got to put Him first. My wife and I, I, I just remember, it's like yesterday. We, we, were, we were getting checks in the mail. We were getting gifts from Portland when we got married. We had to go back and sell them. We had to go back and sell the gifts so that we could pay our rent. And I remember taking that first 10% and said, God, this is I mean, I'm, I'm living this. I've lived this as experience. I know this firsthand. I'm not just reporting what someone else is saying. And I believe this about God. I believe that He is merciful, gracious, I believe that he's a God of a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. I believe that God is going to allow some of you to get this right. And the next four weeks, this series has the potential to drastically change your future and your life.
I mean, if, if I would have got this when I was 16, Pastor, I mean, just think if you're a teenager and you can get this into your heart. Just think if you're 20 years old and you're just starting up, or you're throw, oh, I'm a single mom. Let me tell you, I've seen God do it in single moms. I've seen God do it with single moms for nothing, but just started believing that God was her source. I got an email from Julie Zahn, a lady that was with us, helped us start celebrating recovery. And I remember she told me, she said, Pastor, I had nothing, and I had three children. And she said, I started tithing, obeying God and giving you. She said, I want you to know God has never failed me. I've seen it so many times. I've seen single moms in our church who just said, I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed bank breath. Your father is a good father. He's a good God. He cares today. He wants the very best for your life. Everyone said, Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The Holy Spirit is speaking today. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He loves you. He cares for you. God wants to be your source. He wants to be your provider. Every need is met according to his riches and glory. You're not going to be a millionaire because you serve him. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. The Bible says there's some people who err and think that God loves the means of great gains. That's not what we're not talking about. We're talking about great spiritual gains. We're talking about trusting God for every need. We're talking about a God who's able to give you more than enough so that you can be a blessing in your generation. So that you can be a blessing in your generation. Because if you're a Christian, then you'd have a desire to do more. You have a desire to give more to missions. You have a desire to see more children saved. You have a desire to see God's kingdom advance. I know that today. I know that today. I know that today. You're showing it in your time. You're showing it in your generosity. And I'm going to pray right now for every person that's here. This message will be deep in your Father, I thank you today that you brought us together. Thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that's here, God, that's speaking to me. And God's speaking to every person. I thank you for your blessing, God, your favor that's upon this church. I thank you that we've been able to do so much more. God, when I look out into this city, I see, Lord, there's just so many more. There's so many more children that need to be picked up on the van. There's so many more young people that need to come wide open. There's so many more seniors that, God, that we need to help support and give finances to to help meet their needs. And, Father, there's so many more missionaries. There's so many more children in Cuba. There's so many more children in Africa. There's so many more people around the world, God, that you've called us to be a blessing to. There's so many more churches, God, to start and plant. God, I pray today for the faith of people to arise. God, we trust you today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. What an awesome name. Everyone sing. Can you put up your hands?